Grow Retain Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Gain Grow Retain Podcast. And this uh, week, I this is Jay, by the way. Sometimes you get Jay, sometimes you get Jeff. Uh, today, you've got Jay, Nathan, and I've got with me a very special guest, my friend, Nisha Baxi from Gong. So how you doing, Nisha? Good to see you. I am doing great, Jay. Good to see you too. I we love that we've been spending more time together recently. Yeah. It's been so I was going to say, we usually see each other in Utah. That's where we end up meeting up for whatever reason at, at the uh, CS100 conference, which has been two years in a row. I think we've seen each other there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Neither of us live there, but that's where we, that's where we meet. That's our plan every year. <laughs> I, sometimes I wish I lived there because it is beautiful. So. so nice. So nice. And especially this time when we went, the weather was like absolutely perfect. So um, if you want to find a good month to go to Sundance, seems like October, September, October is a good time to go. Yeah. Yeah. And get the leaves in there too. So, well, cool. So Nisha, you run community for Gong, this little company called Gong. I was just talking about Gong in another call. It's one of my favorite tools that we use at Higher Logic, um, just for a number of different reasons. So love the product. You've got a vibrant community. And today, what I thought we would do, Nisha's been, how long have you been in community, Nisha? I, oh gosh. Um, well, the first community group, like businessy type of community group that I've ran was in 20, 2009, 2010. Okay. Um, and I did it for fun. I did, I ran a meetup called uh, SV New Tech and it was for startups that wanted to meet once a month to pitch their products and get feedback from people. And I grew that meetup to 15,000 people over almost 10 years. And I got in, that's how I got into the business is somebody from Microsoft approached me and said, you know, you're doing this for fun. Do you know that you could actually get paid for this and this could be your full-time job? So that's how I got into developer relations and marketing. So it was like all the developer community side. And that's what I did at Microsoft and Facebook and Salesforce. Um, and now, uh, now a gong. That's very cool. I didn't know that whole backstory until yeah. just now. So that, <laughs> that that's very cool. It seems like I should have known that, but um, that, that's great. And um, so you've been around this for you know 15 years or so now. Um, and you know, we look at community as a pillar, like a backbone piece of architecture in the customer experience for scaling customer success. And so what I wanted to talk to you about today are literally the top five questions that we get from people who are in customer success, some of them in marketing, some of them in product, usually from, from companies that haven't done, that haven't implemented a, a customer community strategy yet. Mm -hmm. um, and Nisha and I were on a call with with a bunch of friends a few weeks back, and and we were talking through some of this stuff. And uh, what I what I mentioned to Nisha before our call here today is that these same questions just come up over and over and over. If you've never done community, you invariably you have the same five questions. So we're going to ask the five questions, and we're going to discuss each one, and then um, see what we can learn from that. Sound good to you, Nisha? Fantastic. Let's go. Awesome. I'm ready for it. <laughs> All right. So the, the big, the big, the first big question is why community? Why community? What's the ROI? What's the value of community? So, how do you respond? You get that question too. I've seen you get that question. So, how do you respond when people, when people ask that? It's a very broad question. I mean, I, I think, I, and I can, I'm going to answer this differently than I normally would, but I mean, people, people are what buy and use and 
products, right? So, I mean, if we think of it from a B2B SaaS perspective, uh, a community is all about people connecting people to each other, them learning from each other. And uh, if people don't know um, what, what your product is, or they don't know other people that are using it and how they're using it, they're probably not going to buy it. So I think that that's like the most like layman answer I could probably give is just connecting people authentically, right? People will buy things, not because, I mean, potentially because a salesperson is really great at selling something, but people were going to want to do their own diligence. They're going to want to learn about how this will provide value to my company. Does it fit in with my top objectives for the year? And when um, you're able to learn all of that from a place that is, um, that isn't you basically that company talking about it all day and every day, but it's a place where people that use the product talk about it, then it, it becomes more valuable. So we can get into this more in your future questions, but um, yeah, we do see that community ends up becoming a, a touch point in the sales cycle and becomes a really important piece of ARR influence. Absolutely. And we will, there's another question that, that hits sort of on like, are you mm -hmm. catering to customers or are you catering to prospects or both? And we can dive into that. Um, we have, a, I'm curious your feedback on this. We have an ROI model that, that we've developed to help our prospects think through like, what is this community actually going to do for you on the P and L directly? And so we, we look at it from both a cost perspective and a revenue perspective. Historically, communities have been like uh, support deflection tools, right? So they help maintain a lower cost to serve. Um, that is a great use case for a community still, but far from the only use case, right, is what we, what we often say. There's, I actually think of it now in terms of customer success deflection as well, because we have, and I talked to a company the other day that has 200 CSMs. If you could just shave off a couple, you know, like a hundred hours of their time for uh, a year per CSM. That's a major savings in terms of manpower, people power to go do things, more valuable things with customers. Uh, and then there's the revenue side of things, which you're hitting on. How do you, how would you equate the the revenue influence that you have from a community standpoint when you're when you're thinking about ROI and the value that community creates? Sure. Yeah. Maybe what I can do is. Um... And Jay, you know this because we've talked about it, but I can share the framework that we use at Gong um, called Spaces. So Spaces is how we decide the programs that we're going to build and the business objectives that it will hit. So S is S in Spaces stands for support. So answering questions in the community, getting questions answered, case deflection, like you mentioned. P stands for product. So product ideas, gathering feedback. Um, a is for acquisition, so getting new leads and new customers in the funnel, um, AR influence, that's a big one. Contribution is C, so um, the quantity and quality of user-generated content, right? So you want people to share their best practices and, and in their voice, the voice of the customer. Engagement, which is like the programmatic piece of this, is how many active users are in the program? Are we building... Um, initiatives, fun contests, things like that, so that people will continue to engage so that uh, we can make spaces, a continue to make it a reality. And then S is for success. So I sit in customer success um, and it's all around making sure that people renew and drive customer expansion. So we think about churn reduction. We think about how much people are buying 
if people are in the community and are active in the community, how much more gong are they buying? Um, and we have numbers and KPIs that are associated with each of them. And so to answer your specific question as it relates to AR influence, and there's lots of different ways that you can do this, but the way that we do this at Gong, and we're still looking at creating more opportunities to expand on this, is we see people that join our community as non-customers and are taking action. So they're joining our meetups, they are liking posts, they are responding to posts, they're asking questions. And then we see in a certain time frame after six, eight, 10 weeks later that they end up becoming customers. And so we see very clearly that the community becomes a touch point in the sales cycle. And using um, Salesforce, I can see that that conversion happens and I can see who they were, how much time they spent, what actions they took, uh, how active they've just generally how active they've been. Uh, and then that's how we measure the, uh, the influence online. And then of course we've got events and things like this. Um, so meetups that are run by other visioneers, so our customers, and if they attend um, those meetups and then they become customers, we also attribute that. And um, I, while I can't share the numbers publicly, um, they are numbers that I'm so, so proud of. And I'm just really, really happy, happy to see it. Uh, and uh, so is uh, so is our leadership team. I still have a job here two and a half years later. So. <laughs> That's great. Um, it, I like how you called it, and I've adopted your words for this, but I like how you call it ARR influence because you're not trying to necessarily take all the credit for it because there's so many touch points in a sales cycle, in a renewal cycle. But I like how you, um, a lot of times I think we can overcomplicate some of these ROI type of calculations, and I like how you keep it pretty simple. So like, just clarify that. Like, if Do you sure. actually look at engaged users in the community and then who bought the next quarter and sort of compare those two data sets together? How do you do that? Yeah. So basically what you do is you see, um, you see people that are in, so there's two things that we do. So the first is you compare people that are in the community and people that are not in the community and their activity levels, what they're doing and how that equates to um, churn, upsell, ARR impact, all of that. Um, so there's that piece of it. And then what I was just explaining was uh, our community is open to the public. And so you can join the community and take action and participate and not be a customer. And then because of your activity or one of the reasons why you end up becoming a Gong customer was because you did take these actions in the community. You thought they were valuable. You saw other customers that are using Gong. They were asking questions. They learned about it. And you felt like, okay, if this is the experience that I get as a Gong customer, I'm in. And then that's that's kind of what you measure. So those are those are the two sort of ways that I'm visually able to create my own dashboard and understand how the difference between how uh, our customers are um, leveraging the community and its ultimate business impact. So from the, the first example that I gave people that are in the community and that are not in the community and specifically people that are active, uh, I see that people that are in the community and are active by two and a half times more gone. Wow. And it's great. And actually, Jay, there's something else I just wanted to share because I think you also hit on something where I'm sure other people that are listening to this are like, okay, you know, that's, there's a difference between correlation and causation. 
Yeah. 100% agree. I would never say community is the reason that gong is what it is. No, like I, I think it's part of it. There's every, I mean, there's 1200 people at gong and everybody does something super meaningful to make a sale or upsell or something like this. But what I say is if there are enough correlation metrics that are meaningful, enough influence metrics, then that is a heavy, that if you have enough teeny little dotted lines that are are on top of each other, leading towards a specific outcome, um, eventually that those dotted lines kind of start looking like a line. And so I just say, you know what, I'm just going to let you decide that community is valuable. That's because really, of yeah, yeah, super powerful. I, I love it when you talk about that, because it everybody wants to prove the value of what they're doing. But like marketing attribution, right? And maybe people who listen to this podcast are, may or may not be familiar with that. But I used to think marketing was a scientific thing. And you put a dollar in and you got a certain amount back out. Man, I, <laughs> I that that's not the case at all, right? And, and these programs are super hard to measure. And there's so many different touch points. And there's so much noise out there. Uh, I think the other piece of it that I talk about a lot is like everything you just described that that a community let me back up a little bit done really well community becomes a, a hub for the customer for all the content all of the learning all the support all the customer success best practices like yeah. it becomes a hub for all of those things easily searchable from one place right so when you when you build that kind of value into a resource for your customers and they get to see that that you have that before they buy from you it's like a feature of your whole product, right? Like, oh, wow, these people have a lot of engagement around their product. They have people that are passionate about it, that ask questions in public and get help in public. And so there is a, and it's almost like an intangible intangible benefit to just gross retention by having a resource like this available is the way I think about it. Do you agree? Oh, 100%. And you know that I agree because we've talked about this so many times, but <laughs> hundred percent. Absolutely. is just people, people want to be part of, I mean, it, it is, it is not easy. It is expensive to buy new software. It is, it is difficult to onboard, you know, a, a, a large company, even a small company onto something new. But if you feel that you have the resources and people are excited, people that have people that have gone through it before you see the value and see the ROI from it, um, then you have, uh, most certainly will be more interested in in purchasing this product. Um, it's so different than LinkedIn, right? Some people are like, well, I have LinkedIn for that. It's like, okay, well, LinkedIn and marketing, it is a function of teaching you why you would buy the product or what about the product, what features would you utilize? But in customer success and specifically in community, we teach you how. Nobody is going to go on LinkedIn and write, Jay, these are the six buttons that I press in Gong so that I could do this. N no one would ever write that. Only your company would create a, a tool, uh, create a community, create a, a hub, a solution for other customers to talk to each other about this. So all of the visioneer nerds out there, so visioneers is what we call our customers, um, and also people that are not customers yet that have that are visionaries and also pioneers in whatever industry that they're in, um, that's how, you know, they, they get access um, to this stuff. So anyway, yeah. I could get on a soapbox around that, but <laughs> I 
<laughs> well, I guess I'm a visioneer because I'm a gone customer. So yes, you are, you are uh -huh. a visioneer. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, cool. So great, great discussion around ROI. Again, like top one of the the top question that I that I get uh, is is I try to tell talk to people about community and scaling customer success. Number two, who should own and run the customer community? Jay, I want to hear your answer to this question. Why don't you start? I have a million ideas around this, but I'm curious. Well, okay, I'll, I'll start by saying this. I see it normally live in one of two, maybe three places. Normally, it's either in the customer success org, if it's a B2B tech company, or it's in marketing. Um, I would say a distant third is product owns it. And I actually just watched a gone call this morning where we were on the phone with product team because they owned it. Um, but that's, it's a little more rare in my experience. Um, I think the customer success team is an interesting candidate to own it because they're going to be thinking about the holistic post-sale experience. Right. Um, and so I like that because you're going to get hopefully LMS integrated in, you're going to get your support, um, maybe your knowledge base integrated into it. Um, you're going to have resources there for onboarding. It's going to be more of a full customer journey kind of solution if they own it. What we've seen is marketing can do a great job of that too, if they're wired that way. And if they have a more like a customer marketing team overseeing it, who's responsible for overall customer engagement. Um, when it's a pure marketing use case, that's something a little bit different, right? When you're saying, hey, we're going to put up a community to go engage with our industry. It's not really as much about the product at that point that we sell, but it's about the problem space. It's like Gang Grow Retain is, right? It's a thought leadership industry community. We're not really talking about a product in there. We People do talk about a lot of products in there, but it's not what its core purpose is for. Um, but if you want to put a community like that together, that is 99 times out of 100 coming out of the marketing team, in my experience. So yeah. that's that's what I see. What do you see? Yep. And um, you mentioned three divisions or orgs. So product, customer success, and marketing. I will say that I'll say two things to that. First, I've sat in every single one of those orgs in my career. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't always been in the community role, um, but I have. So just so you can understand the lens in which I'll, I'll, I'll share my answer. Uh, the other thing that I'd like to, to also share is that the trailblazer community, the most famous uh, B2B community has sat in every single one of those orgs as well. I didn't know so, that. Yeah, they did. So this was, um, so I, I actually sat on team trailhead when we were in product. Um, and so the, the trailblazer community started out in customer success, then it moved to product and it's now currently sitting in marketing. So when the reason why that's happened is because there is a, there is a, a very key reason and use case for each of those different orgs. And what that tells me is there is an opportunity to create sort of its own division, the office, and, and I'm going to quote uh, uh, my, my friend, who's actually the current head of the Trailblazer community, Jessica Langston. She deeply believes that the Trailblazer community should be, you know, an off or, or just in general, community should have their own office. So like the office of community, because it does impact every single one of these major orgs, just like spaces, support, product, acquisition of sales, customer success, like this is everyone. Um, these are different com different groups all over the company. So it could could really be anywhere. So to answer your question, where do, where do I, what do I think? What's, 
I believe that depending on the company size and what the company is trying to achieve, it could sit in any of them. I'll give you an example. If you are a small startup and you are looking to build a category, and I believe that category, the crux of category creation is having great content and a wonderful community, which will equal a really strong brand. Yep. When I say all of that, what does that sound like to you? Does that sound like product? Does that sound like customer success or marketing? It sounds like marketing. Yeah. So I believe that marketing and when a community is first being built should be, uh, that community when it's first being built should be marketing. And so when I think about Gong before I was even there, they didn't even realize, but they were sort of intrinsically building this community of people that love Gong, that rave about Gong, that talk about it, that share why they love it. Um, without actually calling it, putting a bow around it and calling it community. Gong already sort of had a community. Yeah. And all of that was, you know, led by um, Sheena Badani, Udi Lettergore, Devin Reed, like very early. And that was all around category creation. So uh, when I joined Gong, that was when we had probably roughly around a thousand customers somewhere in there um, two and a half years ago. And all the, our customers were saying, we want to learn how to use Gong from each other. And as I mentioned earlier to you, how is answered by customer success? Why and what is answered by marketing? Mm. So it made sense for us to put it in customer success because, and by the way, I got a degree in marketing. My whole background is in marketing. So I'm sort of the secret marketer that's hidden in customer success. And the marketing team loves me because they know that I'll always have, I'll always look at things from that lens, but I know what our remit is in customer success. So basically, if you put a lot of how content on the internet from customers, but with the lens of, we believe that this will be a huge business driver for marketing and for leads and, and, and demand gen, but but not because we're shoving things down people's throats because they're finding it organically on their own. That's interesting. So customer success is probably one of your smartest marketing channels. Customer success is your differentiated value to your business strategy and keep making that public and having our, your customers talk about it. It's, it's brilliant. It's truly brilliant. It's, I've never heard it put that way before, but the way you just said that was like poetry to me. And <laughs> like, because, because those people who are searching and organically finding the solution that is in your community, and I would say this is true for the gang retain community as well, is they're actually in the, their intent is to solve a specific problem. And you get the opportunity to be the person who helps solve that problem or the, the, company or the brand that solves that problem and all of a sudden you've made a deposit right yeah. then later you can come back and say hey like well if you liked the answer you got why don't you take a look at our product and it will do everything for you right and so it's a huge it's a huge benefit to creating awareness uh creating demand not necessarily converting it initially but creating it today's episode is sponsored by higher logic vanilla stuck in the past with one-to-one -one engagement with Higher Logic Vanilla, it's time to move past the status quo and go one to many. We call it scaled customer success, and it starts with community. More than just forums, community is the destination for engagement. 
the place where customers become champions and build stronger connections. So let's go one to many together. Visit vanilla.hirelogic.com to shake up success. Oh, totally. And people want to find this on their own. People want to do their own research. They want to, they, you don't, they don't want to feel like they don't, they are not empowered to make decisions on their own. And this is just a, another avenue for them to, to learn from, um, to learn from that. And we see that people that are in communities generally spend more time learning about your product than they would in your, even your own website. You yeah. know, the average, the average B2B SaaS website, people spend like 50 seconds on. And in, in our communities, they're spending three times in my community, they spend three times that amount, just a, a single person on a, just a random person on a random day. That's how much time they'll spend. So in effect, the community is more valuable that way, but, but it's only if people know about it. So that's the other big thing is like, how do we get people to learn about it and know about it? And it becomes a natural place for them. So that's, that's a, a topic for another day. And I have a whole so bunch that's of, a whole, that's a whole yeah. separate <laughs> podcast, but like, is there yeah. different strategies, social, all these other things as part of your community, like you're saying, right? Totally. Like that earlier too, because we often say to people, you already have a community. It's yeah. just a question of whether you're able to see it and what they're saying about you, like, but you have a community, it exists. Um, all right, let, let's move on. That was, that was a great discussion about the, where, where it sits in the org. And I think um, actually customer success needs marketers, needs marketing DNA because, I mean, community is inherently a, a scaled program, one to many, many to many. And what I have found in working with both CS teams and marketing, I'm sorry, and community teams over the past few years is that they don't really intersect all that much. Um, and customer success teams, think very one-to-one, -one, very high touch usually. And that's how we built the role over the past 15 years. Now that money is becoming more tight, you know, it's time to move away from that and think, how do we scale our engagement with our customers? True, authentic human engagement with people, but do it at scale, which we have the tools and technologies to do. We just have to be thoughtful about how we go about doing it. So. 100%. Couldn't agree with you more. Plus one. I don't know if, if you're watching the video, you can see my plus signs, all the pluses. <laughs> All right. Question number three, how do you staff, if you're starting from nothing today, how mm -hmm. do you, how would you staff a community? And, and you can't say 10 people. <laughs> I, and trust me, I won't, I, I won't say 10 people because I believe in, especially when you're starting something new, you need to run as lean as possible, as long as possible, and as flat as possible, as long as possible. The orgs that get truncated have issues and, oh my gosh, like knock on wood for all the things I'm saying right now, but it is, it is so easy to be put on the chopping block when there are 10 people in, in an org that has four different layers. Then you're like, why are there four layers and why are there 10 people? And this is like this brand new thing that we're doing. So, and, and I say that because this is, I've worked at two startup companies before this that were tiny and also big companies where I was in a small org where there was 10 people and four different layers and it made no sense. And so I do think that thinking through that um, is the most important thing. There are different uh, activities that each of these people can, can potentially do, but I would say, you know, having a generalist uh, is, the, is the most important thing. Uh, and to that actually, Jay, question for you, and you already know the answer to this, but maybe if you could like 
go back in time to like two years ago and knowing knowing Gong um, and knowing what we've done in the community, how many people would you say are on the community team? How many people do you think? How many other are on your community team? Mm -hmm. How many people do you think? Um, I I if I had to guess, I I bet you have a very small team. I, I actually don't know the answer to this. Yeah. I think you have maybe two or three max. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know me, most people would guess like around five. They're like, Oh, like probably like five people. Cause you're running all these different programs. And when I tell them about all the campaigns, there's two, there's literally two of us. It's me and one other person. Uh, and that's by design because when you are building something, you want to both design it, be the, be the strategy as well as the, the execution arm of it at, in the beginning. So somebody at the level that is like, I am willing to, to build this whole spaces model, build the entire engagement program strategy, and then hire the right people that can help deploy the, um, deploy this, uh, the other, the, the, probably the reason we've been able to only have two people is because there have been so many gongster volunteers that have stepped up and helped make the community amazing. That's key. without it, it would not be possible. Without That's it, key. I would I would be requesting a headcount like every six months. And it took when I tell people, uh, it really does take a village to build a community. You know, everyone's heard the the quote, people don't break what they build. A hundred yeah. gongsters. I literally counted. It was a hundred different gongsters that came together to help build the very first version of the community. So, and, and just about half, almost half of the company is in the community. And all of these people are helping make sure that questions are answered. They're helping staff it, staffing meetups, any like people's people are, I've had to tell gongsters in the past, Hey, like give a little bit of space to our community members to answer questions because you get so excited and you want to answer it, but we want other customers, our community to feel empowered because our own company is so excited about it. So we work a lot with our marketing team, our support team, our education and training team, our, our sales team, um, our CSMs are so involved, our sales engineers, uh, product team, it's amazing. We just got a great, got off a wonderful call with them this morning. I mean, everybody believes and feels deeply that it is their community. And that's why we don't need that many people is because everyone believes that this belongs to them because everybody helped build it. That is truly an amazing story. I think the, the best community managers on the planet are not necessarily the most creative they're not doing the most wacky programs they're people who know how to facilitate the message internally right like you probably I, if i had to guess i don't know this for sure but i bet you go spend time with every department that you want involved in this community helping them it certainly when you did the startup phase of this which we'll get into here in a second but like do you spend time with all these departments socializing what's going on and evangelizing what you're doing and what the engagement's like there? A hundred percent, especially like in the beginning, right? I was the only hire. I, you know, I reported directly to our, I still do report directly to our CCO and I needed a lot of cross-functional help to get this thing built. Yep. So 
Um, what I did was I created something called a bulldog team. So our like mascot is like Bruno the bulldog. So I, instead of like calling it a tiger team, I call it a bulldog team. And I asked people in all different departments, can you have one representative? I think it should be this person. I think it should be you to meet with me once a, once a month to advise me in a broader group. So we've heard this before. This is not a new concept, but here's my secret. This is what I did really early on. And people that have been in industry and have worked for a really long time do this naturally. Um, and some people don't, don't do this at all. And it, it can help you, or just a reminder is always pre-aligned with everyone. So I would get on a one-on-one -on -one call with every single one of these individuals and every single department before even that big call. And I would say, here's what's happening. Here's where I'd love your feedback. What do you think I should do? And they'd say, oh yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, this is kind of gonna be my agenda next week. Just, but I just wanted to give you a preview and get your feedback because it's really important to me. And I would go around to every single group and I would do that. And guess in, you know, whenever you go in these meetings, people that are not prepared, even though you have pre-reads, people are just ready to be like, I don't get why we're doing this. This doesn't make any sense. And like that happens all the time. But if you're pre-aligning with everyone, people just sit, my 30 minute meetings would end in 15 minutes because they'd be like, yeah, you sure already talked to me about this. Or like, you already know this. Like, oh yeah, that was my idea. Like the reason why that's on that slide is just continuing to pre-align with with people. And um, that's something just to build and launch the community. That's something that I've done. And um, I'm actually building a roadshow right now, an internal roadshow to go back around and do this again with everyone. We're also part of our onboarding. So the community gets 45 minutes for every single new hire to talk about what, what our objectives are, how you can help, what um, how we measure success, all, all, what are we solving for, all of that. So people already have a deep sense of what the community is and how they can be part of it from day one of them joining the company. That so that's how we staff it. <laughs> that's how we staff the community. You staff it with hundreds of people is really what you're doing, right? But you're scaling all those people at the same time because they now have this resource that they can refer their customers to. If I have a segment of customers with a, or a segment of accounts, hundred customers, and, and I'm a CSM, you better believe I'm pushing people into the community yeah. to get, get best practices and help, right? That I can't get on a call a hundred times a quarter. It's not going to work. So and you have to reward them too, by the way, like you have to reward them. Words, yeah. um, How do you reward them? You tell them, you, you send them a note, you send their manager a note, you publicly on Slack say, these are the five people that have answered the most questions of community members. Thank you so much. Here is a gongster who has done such a great job at, at um, they, there was a really complicated question and this person on product like jumped in and, at, and answered this like very complicated development question. Thank you. And people, people appreciate that. They just, people just want to, to be seen. That's it. Yeah. And you're, you're, giving them this huge surface area where they can be seen by a lot of people at Gong, which is incredibly powerful. Totally. Yeah. All right. Very good. Okay. I've got a bunch of stuff I just wrote down. Like we could go have follow-up episodes on half this oh, stuff. Well, let's do it. <laughs> um, all right. Question number four. So how do you staff it? That, that's good. Actually, let me, let me stick on that point for one second. So if you were in a, let's call it a 250 person company, you, you said generalist to begin with, um, we, we have 
basically repurposed one of our CSMs who has this mindset toward one-to-many and programmatic right. engagement. We pivoted her away from customer success and implementation and into the, we call it scaled customer success programs, but she runs the community as well and does a lot of what you just described, which is she's socializing it internally. Here are the metrics. Here's where we need your help, all that kind of stuff. Is that how you would recommend a smaller organization get started with this? Yes. Or do you have Absolutely. other other recommendations? Exactly that. Exactly that. A dedicated person. It has to be 100%. You can't say this person is going to do 50% of their time. They're going to manage their accounts on a one-to-one basis. And then the other 50%, they're going to be running the scale thing. If you're going to do it, you should do it. Go all in. If you're going to, if you're going to, um, this reminds me of uh, one of my, my good friends growing up. She, uh, she, she always used to say with Oreos, she's like, if you're going to eat it, eat it. And so she'd always get double stuffed Oreos. And she's like, not this reduced fat stuff. Like if you're going to have an Oreo, eat the Oreo, get double stuff. So I, and make it, make it, make a bet, like make a big bet. If you're going to make the bet, make it big, do it right. If it doesn't work, that's okay. That means every, you've got to experiment. Experimenting is very important. This is the right way to do it. You say, these are the things that will make uh, make this role a success. And if we don't see this in the next six months, that means we need to rethink the way that we're doing it or how we're doing, how in the way that we're doing this. Um, but yes, I would say that is exactly what I would do is find somebody who can do it full-time. It, it, it's it's interesting because it, I think we've typically talked about these as community manager roles, but to me, it's more than that. It's It's a, and you said it earlier when you were going through the spaces piece, the engagement, people who understand programmatic engagement, meaning I'm running a webinar series twice a month that has enablement content for our customers to come together and meet live. And then I'm following that up with discussions in the community. Right. To me, that's all community. And I think sometimes the word community manager feels like a misnomer because I know what you do is way more than community management, right? It's not online community management per se. I mean, we do have a community. So Molly Kipnis reports to me, she is our community manager. So she does manage the everyday, the programming, the answering questions in the forums, like making sure they're run to the right people. If the community doesn't answer them themselves, the, our meetups, all of the pro, like the programmatic piece of this. So when we talked about metrics, I shared spaces, the other set of metrics that I didn't share with you, that is, that is just as important because it feeds into spaces is what I call cranes. So I think you and I, you and I have had a conversation around, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and I think cranes is important because it's basically your everyday day-to-day metrics that end up um, basically laddering into into spaces, right? So crane stands for collaboration, reputation, answers, idea, news, and sharing. So if people are collaborating, if people are getting new badges and are getting points and are ranking, if people are asking questions and are getting answers, if people are sharing their ideas, giving product feedback, if people are learning, getting news, sharing, yes, you found it. Yes. So, yeah, for, for people that are listening right now, you won't be able to see this, but we were recording video too. We might do something with the video. So I just pulled up the deck that we well, Nisha's spaces model, which is really a CMX thing that you've modified, right? CMX being a community, right. community, and then Cranes, which is my favorite. This is you. You built this, right? You made this. I just made this up one one day in front on a Friday night because I'm that cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so 
down into the metrics of the community itself, which I really like, because then you can map these back to some of the bigger, like, okay, if we get engagement in all these areas and all these ways, that maps back to retention, how, new sales, how, so on and so forth. Yeah, this is all about literally, how do you know if your community is doing well on November 20th, 2024? Well, look at Cranes. What happened today in Cranes? This is a snapshot view of the the level of engagement. And the more people that are engaged, the more, these are all the leading indicators, right? So you can look at this as like this level, it could be like, you know, very um, surface level sort of metrics that feed into the high level business level top line metrics. Or you can look at this as like leading indicators to the lagging indicators, which yep. are um, spaces. I wouldn't say all uh, spaces is, is lagging indicators. There are things that you can also check on a daily basis. Um, but they're more like business level metrics. So community level metrics and business level metrics. Yep. I like that. Leading and lagging. That's good. Um, okay. Let's move on to the next question. How do you get people in content into a new community so that when people come, it's not like an empty ghost town? Yeah. I. This was something that I thought a lot about. And I think it's really important to set expectations early on with leadership and people that are both going to the community um, and people at the company is that basically a lot of the content at first is going to be from you at some, it's going to be from you. You're going to have to seed content. You can ask your customers and people to write topics. So what I was told was for every section that you have in an online community, there should be two or three pieces of, you know, articles or um, ideas, like things in like pieces of content in their videos that are relevant to them. So having that as seed content is, is critical. And then other people will start to understand, okay, this is the type of content that makes sense in this community. And then moving forward, you know, th that's what they would add to it. And then over time that it sort of switches that you're writing less and they're writing more, but you have to believe that that's what's going to happen because you're engendering sort of those values there. So um, that's when you first start out. But in terms of getting people to write best practices, there's a, um, I remember I met with uh, an analyst at Forrester, um, gosh, when I was at Facebook, maybe 2016, 2017. And they said developers are motivated by two things, uh, money and notoriety. And I think that that's, that's true for people, right? Yeah. Is like, I want to be well-known or I want to make a lot of money. And so you think about incentivizing people in the community and you're like, well, if you're in the community, it might be less about money, but more about how you're able to help other people because it's so, it's so visible. And so creating incentives and, and programs and campaigns to get people to do those things. So I'll give you an example of something that we did maybe a year ago, it was um, a best practice, share your share your favorite best practice at Gong. So we called it hashtag my Gong secret. So everyone share what's your Gong secret and just tell us what you've done, like what you were solving for and how you did it. And we got dozens and dozens of people that submitted their, um, their, uh, their, their Gong secret and the carrot at the end of it was we would have a drawing and the person who won this would have 30 minutes with our CEO, Amit. Oh, that's cool. It cost us nothing, yeah. but 
they got time with our CEO. We and we put it on social media. They did it too. We we reposted it and on LinkedIn. It was a it was a big thing. And the people that were motivated by that wanted to do that. And guess what? We had, you know, within a week, we I think we ran this for a week, maybe 10 days max. We had like 25 new pieces of like very healthy, long, like best practices. And that's why our community is more of a best practice community than a support community because we engage people in that way. Of course we have support questions, um, but that's how you do it is you, you think about how my audience would like to be incentivized and you, 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 you basically do that. You ask them, you ask them. And, uh, and, and if there are also people that are doing cool stuff, you just say, Hey, like, you know, James, like, I, I love what you said at the meetup, like, would you be willing to, to, to put this in the community? And they're like, oh, I'm really busy. I don't have a lot of time. Cool. Can I just, do you have five minutes right now? Can I just ask you and record it? And then I'm going to take the gong transcript and then just really quickly create it in a post and I'll just do it for you. And you can just take a look at it and I'll post it on your behalf. Wait, what? Really? You'll just do everything for me? Yep. Why not? Right? Exactly. You're removing the friction and they get, get all the benefit, right? I mean, they have a brilliant idea. You're giving them credit for it. There's so many good things about what you just described. I mean, what, one of the ways of quantifying value, I mean, think about having people who are disconnected from the customer trying to write all this content around best practices and, you know, industry trends and all that kind of stuff. Like you just got that served up 25 articles served up on a platter when you ran that program. I mean, that's totally. amazing customer stories, right? I mean, that's one of the hardest things marketing teams are seem to constantly be chasing down is I need more customer stories. We need more case studies. Well, they're in abundance in your, in your community already. You just got to go. Oh. And the way that you do it, cause see, and, and I, and I, the first job that I ever had was at IBM and it, I created hundreds of literally like references of what problem were you solving for? How did IBM help solve for it? What was the quantifiable benefit? And that again is the answer of that's still asking why that's marketing, right? Why, why would you buy our product? But community answers how, and in answering how they also answer the why. Can you believe that? So it's like, it's just, it's just this big secret that, that the community is your huge dip, you know, the best marketing engine, the best sales engine, the best CS engine. Um, and it's all it's all so, it's all, uh, it's so authentic. And in, in the reason you can make it such a wonderful marketing tool, um, is because of that level of authenticity and the fact that it sits in customer success. So people are like, you're not trying to sell me stuff right. and we're not, but somehow we still are. Yeah. So it's very you're cool. Helping, helping sales. And that's what you're doing is you're effectively helping people that aren't paying you yet. Totally. Yeah. But like, if you, and that's part of why I'm like, eh, if you, at this, at this point, if you sit in marketing and people are be like, okay, then you're going to add me. If I join this community, you're going to add me to a bunch of emails and drip campaigns and blah, blah, blah. And no, like this, our community is totally disconnected from that. We have policies in place where our sales team is not allowed to, to go into the community for leads and message our message people that are in the community. Um, in fact, sales team, our sales team has to take a, a extra training and they have to get approved to get in the community because we want to make sure that everything that happens in the sales, um, in our community is a hundred percent authentic, authentic, 
authenticity is the name of the game. And that's why we've been able to get thousands and thousands of people to check it out and join. It's great. All right. So let me hit you on one other topic related to that, to this, like getting a, a new community spun up. So one of the things that we do with all of our customers who are new to community. So again, we have some customers that are new to community and some that are not. We're migrating from another platform. They sort of get it already. Um, but we run what we what we would call an early adopter program, which is we have we coach them through identifying the top 50 or 100 advocates that they've already got in their ecosystem and then utilizing them almost in the same way that you described your internal team. We just help them recruit an external team to do the same thing, get their feedback, have them put their fingerprints on it. That would be the same group of people that help us launch it to the world when we go live with it. We, Jeff and I did this on Gangbury Retain. We didn't even realize what we were doing at the time, but we were doing that. Like we had our advocate group that got on calls with us every week and we used them to help launch the Gangbury Retain community. So is that methodology resonate with you? Do you have different ways of doing it? You know that it does. And that's why you and I just get along so well is like, I always say like KI, you know, KISS, the military saying, keep it simple, stupid, like not calling you stupid, but saying, <laughs> you know, let's keep it, make it easy. Start small, smart, experiment with your best people. Like every big movement that has ever happened in, in the world, everybody always says, you know, the five of us, um, the five of us met in this coffee shop and we were talking about this thing and we thought it was really important. And then it grew into 10 people, 15 people. And it always starts that way is with your advocates, your core group, people that deeply believe in something and they end up, you know, through the net, like through the network effect there, they have conversations with other people who are like, I'm also really interested and in settlers of Catan. And we need to like get a, 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 a bigger, a, meet, a bigger meetup. Okay, great. Like let's have eight people join. Like let's invite these three people because they're just as, you know, big of Catan heads or whatever as, I don't know why that came to my head, um, <laughs> but as, as we are. And so then it gets bigger, it gets bigger over time, but it's still, it starts out. It always starts out with that, that small group of people, um, your, your advocates. And when I built the visioneer community, I took attributes, vectors of what I assumed would be, or what I knew would be the best qualities of a visioneer to have. So are they attending our meetup groups? Are, are, or sorry, are they attending our um, marketing webinars and events? Are they coming to celebrate? Or how often are they logging into the product? How many support questions have they logged? How often are they talking to our CSMs? What's their ARR? What's their segment? I And I did a whole, I looked at our entire, every single user in our entire customer base, like literally thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Like, I don't even know how many, like literally every, every license that we had. And I took a cross section of all of that. So I created my own algorithm to find the top hundred people. And I said, if I want our community to be exactly like these top 100 people. So then I interviewed them all. And I said, okay, I asked them all for one-on-one -on -one meetings. I only got 30 one-on-one -on -one meetings, 70 of them. I sent, I sent them a survey and I said, tell me what you think is important. We're thinking about, and the way that I phrased it was we're thinking about building a community. What does that mean to you? And what would you want to see in it? You know, I took a journalism class in college and they always said, ask simple questions, listen, listen very carefully. I talk yeah. a lot, but I listened a lot in those calls and I took notes 
vigorous notes on what they wanted. And we reverse engineered and built our community based on what our customers said that they wanted. And if we didn't have it in our community platform, I would find a tool to, to solve to solve for that. And anyway, we called them community founders. We gave them special titles. We gave them special badges. We wrote a post about them. We put them on, we put it on LinkedIn. And those were the advocates. And those were the people that I hit up one-on-one -on -one for months, for a year, basically. It wasn't scalable at all, but that's how you get people excited is when you're like, hey, like Jonathan, what do you think about this? Like, hey, Adriana, like, what do you think about this? And that's how it, that's how it works. That, what you just said there is really, really important for people to to really listen to. And we talk about that, this concept a lot on this podcast, but is doing things that don't scale. Yeah. That is the only way to launch things effectively. Um, I was thinking about this. I, I, I think it's in one of my newsletters that I published um, weeks ago now, but I, I need to go back and refresh my memory on what it was. But there's a guy who talks about... Um, no large system gets conceived and built all, no, not that succeeds. They they usually don't get conceived and built from scratch, right? It's what you said. It's you start with a small idea. Actually, when we started Gain, Grow, Retain, the customer success community and this podcast, we had this podcast, we had LinkedIn, which we were posting on, but we, um, we had uh, office hours calls every week, every Thursday at like 1130 a.m. Eastern time. We'd get on a Zoom call. In the first week, there was probably 40 people on the call. Then the next week, there was 75. Then the next week, it was 150. It just like a snowball kept growing and growing. And then we would add other programs as people started to pull them out of us. Like, hey, like we'd like to chat in between. Can we get a Slack group or an online community of some sort? Well, absolutely. Let's go look into that next. And so we just kept getting all these ideas and it just grew and grew and grew into this multi-channel, you know, live, virtual, social media, owned media, like this whole behemoth of, of a community that has so many different ways to engage with it now. But it wasn't conceived that way on day one, to your point. Yep. And that is exactly the way to do it. That's the only that's the only way. That's exactly right. It's just um, you know, you plant, you plant the seed and then the seeds end up spreading and germinating and there's other plants and flowers are created over time. And that's just what it is. That's community. Oh, flowers bloom. Um, all right. Last question. And then we I probably got to let you go. Um, and you've answered this a little bit along the way, but a very common question that, that I get is how open should a community, should a community be? So, and by that, the question is, should non-customers be able to see what customers are posting uh, how much of that should be publicly available to the users? When we made the decision to open up our community to the public, we had had it just for customers for a few months. Um, the reason we did that was because we knew that it was uh, 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 it was an experiment. We'd never built a community before, and we wanted to learn from it. And we saw that there was a big benefit in opening it up to the public and people learning about how to use our product and connecting and authenticity and all of that, everything that we've talked about. What I'm a big believer in is not solving for problems that don't exist yet. People are always coming to me, but like, what if this happened? But what, 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 what? I'm constantly like, okay, let's not solve for problems that don't exist yet. I have people that with community or even just in life, it's like, is this, has this actually happened? 
Like, do you see this happening now? Like maybe this happened five years ago in your last company, or you've heard like a really scary story. Um, but I believe that if you build a company or a community or anything really with the right intentions, and you have clear guidelines in place about what's okay and what's not, and you can't, you really can't go wrong. And then, and then look, if, if you open it up and there are a lot of bad actors and horrible things are happening or whatever, then you can reevaluate and say, look, I'm going to open this up for a couple months. We created these guidelines. This is how we're going to, you know, uh, community manage against, against any of that. And, you know, would you say, you tell leadership, like, would you say if like none of this happens in three months, then the, this experiment was a success and we can keep it open. Cool. Just call everything an experiment, time box, everything. And then get everybody's buy and say, this is what a failed experiment looks like. This is what a successful experiment looks like. And I'll tell you every experiment that I've run at Gong that I was, I called it an experiment, knowing that it would end up probably staying and being a forever thing. I always gave people an out. It's like when you, people are buying products, people love buying products with opt-outs, opt-out clauses. They're like, oh, you know, like 90 days, like what percentage of people actually opt out of it, you know? They everybody wants an opt out clause, but what percentage of, of of companies actually take advantage of it? And so it's like kind of like that internally, right? Is giving people the opportunity to say I don't like this or I'm nervous about it, um, and, and it also what it does is it acknowledges the fact that it is it is really scary. It is really scary to take a picture of your baby and show it to the whole world. You know, there's a reason why a lot of people don't do it. Um, but there's a really, really great reason to, if your baby is freaking awesome and is a virtuoso and can, you know, play the piano with like, with their, I don't know, with their elbows and can, I don't even know where I'm coming. You know what I'm saying? What you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> the whole point is I, I, th I think you do it. You, you assume positive intent, you put it out there, you have clear guidelines, you manage against it. And once you do that. I mean, you'll only see good results. I mean, the last you'll you'll see people that are just so happy to learn and take these best practices, and then they go to their next company. They're like, I I really love the community, and I really wanted to buy Gong, but we didn't have any money to buy Gong at our last companies. But I just joined this new company, and like I convinced them to buy Gong because I learned all about how to use how to use it in your community. Cool. That's great. I I mean, it, it's a little scary too at the same time to say, hey, this is just an experiment because this is why you were hired at Gong, right? To come do yeah. this. So in a lot of times, like you know it's going to work. And a lot of times people who have run communities for a long time, they know it's going to work as long as we put the time and the effort into it. But to come out and say that is a different thing, right? Because if it doesn't work, you're basically saying you don't need me as the person yeah. who runs this program. Yes. Like. So, but you have to be comfortable enough in your skin and as a professional True. to say, look, I'm confident in this and I'm so confident that I'll give you basically a money back guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. I'll hang my hat on it. Totally. Yeah. I'll put my badge on the table. Yeah. Totally. Awesome. Well, I've got four pages of notes of stuff. Um, the, but the, but the biggest thing I'm taking away from this conversation is, well, I don't know if this is the biggest thing, but it's the most memorable thing for me. Marketing is the why and the what, and community is the how. And that can that being the how, having the how documented in the community through these discussions is a great way to drive 
marketing it. So I really like that concept. That was my favorite. Community and customer success, like all of the functions within customer success are how professional services, onboarding, CSMs, um, our education and training team, we all answer how. So this is a how how community. (laughs) How community. Uh, Nisha, this has been great. We will definitely do it again as long as you're open to it. And while we're while we're talking, and this should be released before December fifth, so we'll go ahead and plug our webinar. We're going to have a whole webinar on ROI with you, so uh, we'll share a link to that in the show notes if people want to sign up for it and come and ask Nisha questions because she has lots of answers. So and you too, you have a lot of answers too. We've had some great discussions on this topic, so both of us. <laughs> I, I will leave you hanging on that call for sure. On that. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks for doing this. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, everybody. Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community. And we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, we grow this by word of mouth. So we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast, leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for gain, grow, retain the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career. Ultimately, um, Be on the lookout also for live events, both in-person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon.